when we're bitter and unforgiving, we think it just is affecting us and that one person. But God wants to use forgiveness to save many lives. And when we don't forgive, we neglect that opportunity of more people getting saved. What I like to say is forgiveness is something God does for you. That's at the cross of Jesus. He does in you, uh, that's a new nature, and He does through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that the power of the Holy Spirit flows from God to you, through you, to others. Mm -hmm. And then you're in the flow of God's grace, you're in the flow of God's Spirit. Well, howdy y'all, this is the Real Marriage Podcast with Mark and Grace Driscoll. Our story is not perfect, our marriage is not perfect, but thankfully our God is perfect. Welcome back, everyone. This is Mark and Grace. We're going to continue the Real Marriage podcast and talk about forgiveness. And uh, I'm going to start with a story, uh, somebody that we know and love very, very much. Their mom and dad were friends with another couple. The couples fell apart because one husband ran off with the other wife. Mm. So there was something secretive going on, and nobody knew until it was too late and they were gone. And this person that we know, they never heard from their dad again from a very young age. Didn't know at certain seasons, is dad dead or alive? What city, state, country does he live in? No effort from the father to connect with, communicate with the child whatsoever. Mm. Child grows up, um, meets Jesus, becomes a Christian, gets married, has a beautiful family. Mm, yeah. I mean, we're we're of the age now where our kids are getting married and, you know, we see grandbabies on the horizon. <laughs> I'm just prophesying it. You know, it's going to happen. And these are the kind of kids and grandkids that everybody on planet Earth would dream about yeah. having. Like, yeah. man, if I could get a daughter-in-law like that and my oh, grandkids. High character, great mom. Beautiful, wonderful, wonderful amazing. The grandkids. Oh my gosh, cutest kids ever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would be like everybody's dream would be, yes. gosh, if my kids could end up like that, my grandkids yes. could be like that. That would be amazing. Well, this guy doesn't even know that his son is married mm. and never met, doesn't even know he's got grandkids. Wow. No interest Tragic. whatsoever. Tragic. So this man who, you know, has been offended again since he was a boy. He's got a decision. He really hits a fork in the road. And it's a fork in the road that we all hit, particularly in our relationships. I'm going to go toward bitterness or forgiveness. Mm -hmm. If he chooses bitterness, he's got justification in his soul for that. Yeah, deep hurt. Deep hurt wounds, father wounds. Mm -hmm. If he chooses forgiveness, life looks very differently. So they sensed a call into ministry. And so what he wanted to do is he wanted to make sure that the flow of God's blessing, God's grace, God's spirit was on their marriage and was on their ministry. And so he found his dad and took him a little bit of work, jumped on a plane to go meet his dad, sat down with his dad and forgave him. Wow. Not that his dad repented, not that his dad apologized, just said, Dad, here, here, Jesus forgave me, explained the gospel. Jesus gave me this gift of forgiveness. I got on a plane, tracked you down, haven't talked to you maybe in decades, I'm bringing you a gift. Mm. It's a gift from Jesus. It's called forgiveness. And he forgave his dad uh, and shared the love of Christ with his dad. It's supernatural. It is supernatural. And when somebody does something that is forgiveness, it actually makes the news because it's so contrary to human nature mm -hmm. of vengeance and justice. And so I asked him, I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm super proud of you. I said, what was the motivation? He said, uh, I want the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to flow in and through our marriage and ministry, and it can't with bitterness, but it can with forgiveness. Mm, amen. 
And what he was referring to was Ephesians 4. And in 25 years as a senior pastor, doing a lot of counseling, this is the text of the Bible that I have used more than any other text of the Bible in 25 years as a senior pastor. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says, be angry and do not sin. So he starts there. So, honey, is is anger a sin? No. It's what we do with it. Does God get angry? Absolutely. So anger is a natural response to hurt, offense, betrayal. What happens to somebody who says, I'd never get angry? They're stuffing things. (laughs) They actually get bitter underneath. (laughs) Well, and I think you can lose the sense of moral outrage and injustice. Mm -hmm. If a child is abused, please get angry. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. You know, because that's the heart of God. Yeah. But he says, in your anger, do not sin. So how can we use our anger when we're hurt or sinned against or someone we love is to justify sinful behavior? Well, if we don't process the anger appropriately with the Lord— then we take that out on someone and then we're sinning with that anger. We're seeking vengeance. And what we're trying to do is pay them back. Mm -hmm. But usually what happens is the person feels like you made me pay too much. And so then I need to get you again because two people never agree if they're in a bitter battle, they never agree that we're even now. Yeah, We call this the Hatfield and McCoys in Mm -hmm. the history of the United States of America. Yeah. One side thinks we're even now. The other says, no, 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 no. You still owe me. We're not even yet. And, and, and so what it is, it's like an arms race. And the escalation continues forever. And then there's troop buildup. And now we're recruiting other people into the fight, family, friends. If that doesn't work, we jump on social media. And all of it is, it's, it literally is war. And it's part of the demonic spiritual war. And so that's how anger leads us into sin. Be angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. You love Jimmy Evans. Summary of this, you've shared yeah, it with me many Pastor times. Pastor Jimmy, today's anger is not a problem, but tomorrow's is. So if you have anger from yesterday, mm-hmm. that's a problem. If your anger is from today, when it talks about the sun going down on your anger, in a Jewish concept, the day ended at sundown. And what he's talking about there is deal with issues from today, today, don't drag them into tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So today's anger is not a problem. Anger tomorrow from today, that's a problem. And then here's the key phrase in line, and give no opportunity to the devil. Part of spiritual warfare is around bitterness and unforgiveness. Satan and demons are never forgiven. Jesus didn't die for them. Satan and demons never forgive anyone. And so Satan and demons do not do forgiveness. Mm. And the culture that they bring is the culture of hell, which is the eternal culture of unforgiveness. If you want to if you want to know why it feels sometimes like your relationship is hell, it's because there's unforgiveness. That's the culture of hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you ever apologized to someone and they just won't forgive you? They won't let it go no matter how many times you apologize? That just feels horrible. It's a prison sentence yeah. emotionally and relationally. Um, And so what he's talking about here is that Satan works through unforgiveness and bitterness in the same way that people travel in cars, demons travel in bitterness. Mm -hmm. That's their favorite mode of transportation. That's that's how they get into a relationship. That's how they get into a family. That's how they get into a ministry. That's how they get into a church. Satan and demons travel in unforgiveness or bitterness. And most people don't want demons But when you choose bitterness, they're a package deal and they come together. Yeah, that's right. So he says, give no opportunity to the devil. And then he says, do not grieve 
The Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God. There are two cultures, heaven and hell. If you choose forgiveness, you're inviting the culture of heaven down into your marriage and family. If you choose bitterness and unforgiveness, you are literally pulling the culture of hell up into your marriage and relationship, and you're grieving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not it. Jesus tells us in John's gospel, the Holy Spirit is he. He is a person, and he is a helper. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, the, in the book, Spirit-Filled Jesus, I talk about, you know, the secret to Jesus' success is that he lived by the power of the Holy Spirit. It says that Jesus was filled with the Spirit, that the hand of the Lord was upon him, that he was led by the Spirit. Luke's gospel talks a lot about the relationship between Jesus Christ and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And we see this from his baptism where the Holy Spirit descends upon him in the form of a dove to anoint and appoint him for a lifetime of ministry. The point is, Jesus lived a life of holiness and forgiveness by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And then he sends the Holy Spirit so that we can have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's the emotional health and life of Jesus. And we can forgive others. And so what he's saying here is this, to forgive someone is a supernatural event that requires a miracle of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit is grieved because it's like, He's watching you self-destruct with bitterness and unforgiveness, and he is weeping. He's asking, please allow me to empower you to do the supernatural and the impossible, and that is to take the gift of forgiveness that you've received and to give it to them so that the the stronghold of Satan through bitterness is broken. Mm-hmm. We yeah. talked about the root of bitterness from the Hebrews passage in our last session, and it's if we continue to not receive that gift and extend that gift of forgiveness, we are not cutting out that root. We're letting that grow and grow and grow. Well, and what I like to say is forgiveness is something God does for you. That's at the cross of Jesus. He does in you. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a new nature. And he does through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So that the power of the Holy Spirit flows from God to you, through you, to others. Mm -hmm. And then you're in the flow of God's grace. You're in the flow of God's Spirit. And that, you know, so the person I talked about at the beginning, that's what they're saying. They said, I want to flow in that river. Yeah, absolutely. If the Holy Spirit flows in the river of grace and forgiveness, I want to get my canoe in that stream, and I want to go that direction. Mm -hmm. Um. It goes on to say, do not grieve the Spirit of God. Let all bitterness. So why is it important, honey, to to not nurse a little grudge? Because it becomes bitterness. (laughs) It's like a little poison. Mm -hmm. It's still a problem. That's right. Get rid of all bitterness. And then if you don't, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, along with all forms of malice. And these are escalating terms. You start a little hurt. And now wrath, like, okay, well, I'm going to say or do something. I'm not going to sit back anymore. You're not going to just treat me like a doormat. Anger, now you could tell it in the body posture. Mm-hmm. Nostrils are flaring, hands angry go to hip. Eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, angry eyebrows from the veggie tails. <laughs> as soon as you see your wife's hands go to her hips, <laughs> you know that the Holy Spirit has left the conversation. You could just tell looking at somebody yeah. like, ooh, they, okay, they're ticked now. Yeah. I could see it. Clamor, uh, this means now they're boiling over. Slander, now I'm talking about it. Now I've got the troop buildup. Now I'm mm-hmm. telling the kids and I'm involving your ancestors, right? Mm-hmm. This is where we start doing genius. You're like your dad. You're like your mom. You're like your aunt. You're like your grandpa. You, let me talk about the past. Okay, here we go. Okay, let me go on social media. Yeah. 
And let me just tell you this. I think when you're bitter, social media is where demons convene. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) I mean, if you want to get sort of an angry mob to join you in the fight, Mm. just post online and and the bitter people will find you very, very quickly. And let me even say this. We pastor a church. Sometimes it's like bitter people find each other and they form an unholy alliance. Yeah. And people always ask like, how do the two bitter, angry, jaded, frustrated people find each other so easily? They don't know each other, but their demons do. Absolutely. So if you have given the devil a foothold that becomes a stronghold, that becomes a death hold, and you're grieving the spirit of God, you've opened yourself up to demonic torment and someone else has done the same. Those two demons know each other and they're like, you know what? If we could introduce those two people, they would be like two barrels on a gun. We could multiply the damage that they do. And the opposite of that can be if you are not grieving the Holy Spirit and you are forgiving then you will meet people who have the fruit of the spirit, who are love, <laughs> who love well, who are kind, who are good, who practice self-control when they are hurt and they don't move into the wrath, anger, clamor, slander because they have self-control from the Holy Spirit. So if you want to be around people that are healthy, then you find people with the same Holy Spirit <laughs> that you have and you will have healthy relationships. And one of the ways that you know that they practice forgiveness is that they can talk about the past in a way that isn't loaded with emotion, blame shifting, but turns toward the positive of the ways God used it Mm -hmm. to increase their love for Jesus and to change their character. Yeah, and not in a religious way, but in a sincere way. Like the pain was still real, but God was able to use that. What Satan wanted to use for evil, God was able to use for good in their life in a genuine way, and people can share that story. And that's where two people can tell the same story. One's bitter, one is forgiven and healed. And after one, you're like, I feel like I need to take a shower. Mm -hmm. That was just gross. And the other, you're like, that's amazing how God used that for such a wonderful thing. And you can sense a peace about the person rather than a a jaded unrest. And he goes on to say, uh, so you've alluded to it, be kind to one another. How hard is it to be kind when you're hurt, offended? frustrated, hypothetically with your spouse. I know this is not something you've had to deal with, but for other people that have a mere mortal husband, (laughs) how hard is it to be kind when we're driving each other crazy? It is very hard. It takes the Holy Spirit self-control to be able to not just react out of that pain. And that's where rather than responding to your spouse, it's responding to the Spirit. That's right. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, which is the difference you know, of hard-hearted, it's the opposite, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiven people should be forgiving people. That's right. The gift of forgiveness that Jesus gives is a gift that he wants you to give. This is in Ephesians 4. I didn't prep you for this. What comes up in Ephesians 5? Turn the page next chapter. It's on marriage. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest texts in the entire New Testament on marriage is in Ephesians 5. What comes up in Ephesians 6? Our war is not against flesh and blood, but powers, principalities, and spirits. And the armor of God. And the armor of God. Mm -hmm. The flow of the last three chapters of Ephesians, the first three chapters are theological, the last three chapters are practical. This tends to be how the Apostle Paul writes Colossians and other New Testament letters. What he's saying in chapter 4 is, Satan works through unforgiveness and bitterness. The Holy Spirit flows through forgiveness. Chapter 5, you need to apply this to your marriage. 
chapter six. It's part of your spiritual warfare. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It's all tools for us and they're right there. And if we don't pick them up to use them, then it's tragic for your marriage. It's death to your marriage because mm-hmm. it is a war. Mm-hmm. So Ephesians 6, it's a war. Ephesians 5, it's a war for your marriage. Ephesians 4, the front line of the battle is forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And that's where you either join God's team or Satan's team. Yeah. Uh, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgives you. I, I've been a Bible teacher for a long time. We were in a very difficult season uh, of our life and it led me into almost a full year study on forgiveness and unforgiveness. I read a stack of books as tall as I am because I'm a nerd on forgiveness and unforgiveness. And one thing I had missed was that oftentimes when God talks about bitterness or unforgiveness in the same context, he talks about Satan and demons. When he talks about forgiveness, he often talks about in the same context, the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so in Matthew 18, Jesus says, you know, one guy was forgiven a lot and then he wouldn't forgive a guy a little. And so then he was handed over to the jailer to be tormented. And the commoners say that Satan tormented a guy who was forgiven and not forgiving. What that means is if God has forgiven you and you won't forgive them, Satan is going to torment you. And people live under torment. It says in 1 Corinthians 2 that Satan won't outwit us because we know his schemes. The next verse goes into forgiveness. Satan's primary scheme is unforgiveness or bitterness. And so as I did this big, deep dive, biblical, theological study, it's like, okay, when you're really hurting, if you say, okay, I forgive, the Holy Spirit floods in. Yeah. And if you say, I don't forgive, demonic spirits flood in. Mm-hmm. And, and any believer who hears this says, I, I don't want to be tormented and I don't want demonic spirits in our marriage and life and family, but I, but I am hurt and, and I am upset and I do, I do want to make them pay or get back or not, not let them off the hook. Well, the question is, do you hate them enough to destroy yourself? Yeah, the enemy gets a foothold and a foothold becomes a stronghold, becomes a stranglehold. There's an old Chinese saying, uh, I'm pulling it from a memory file, uh, but it was something to the effect of uh, the bitter person who goes to, dra- to dig a grave for their enemy needs to dig two graves. Mm, yeah, this is how we know something is of the Lord. It's a win-win. Yeah. We know it's of the flesh when it's a win-lose. We know it's demonic when it's a lose-lose. And where bitter people get, they get to the point where I don't care if I destroy myself as long as I destroy you. Mm -hmm. And this happens in marriage. I was talking to a couple recently. They had a lot of money and they're in the middle of a brutal, bitter divorce. And they get the attorneys involved in the middle. And the attorneys are a way of shooting each other without committing a crime. Okay, so you shoot them, they shoot you. It just becomes literally a firefight. And uh, I sat down um, with this person. I was like, how much money are you spending on the divorce? They're like hundreds of thousands of dollars we're each spending for our attorney fees. Wow. And I was like, okay, you guys have spent your whole life building a business, building a portfolio. You've got a ton of finances. And now you're literally burning your money. Like everything you've ever worked for, you're setting it on fire to just harm the other person. And I looked, I said, why are you doing that? He said, I don't care how much money I spend. I don't care what I lose as long as I make them pay. That's demonic. Yeah, absolutely. That's bitterness. Imagine being the kids in that family. You know, imagine being the friends or the extended family. And we all hear a story like that. We're like, yeah, I'd never do that. If you choose bitterness, it's like a water slide. Yep. It moves really fast and you can't stop. And next thing you know, it's going south way, way, way faster than you ever expected. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, none of us get married thinking that someday we'll be so bitter that we're going to make our spouse pay. But that's what happened in that situation. And it happens because we don't forgive. We don't dig up that root of bitterness. I'll end with two stories. Uh, Babe, do you remember the story of Stephen in Acts chapter 7? Early church leader, the Apostle Paul, he was Saul at the time, unbeliever at that time, shows up with a mob of angry men. He's harassing, arresting Christians, murdering Christians. He's overseeing the stoning of Stephen. They're going to throw rocks at Stephen and kill him. And it says that they laid their cloaks, uh, Paul's sort of thugs did, at his feet because he was the leader. He was the alpha in the the wolf pack. And so um, do you remember the story as Stephen is dying, what he does? He forgives Saul. He forgives him. He prays the same thing that Jesus did from the cross. Don't hold this sin against him. Father, forgive him. Stephen is praying for Saul as Saul is murdering him, and he is saying the same kind of thing that Jesus said on the cross. Okay? Yeah. And then it says that Stephen saw something. He saw Jesus get off the throne and rejoice. He says, I saw heaven open and the Lord Jesus standing. Uh, The throne is one of the great themes in the Bible. I think it's in 14 of the 22 chapters of Revelation. It denotes Jesus ruling and reigning in the unseen realm as King of kings and Lord of lords. And always Jesus is seated on the throne. Stephen is forgiving someone and he sees Jesus get off his throne. Mm. Think of it like a sporting event. Everybody's sitting in their chair uh, until something amazing happens and they all leap out of their chair to cheer. Jesus leaps off of his throne to cheer when we forgive someone. Mm-hmm. And for him to do that towards someone who was wanting to, who did take his life. I mean, that's the ultimate supernatural act of forgiveness. And then what we see, you turn the page in Acts, Jesus comes down from heaven and deals with Saul. Mm-hmm. For those of us who forgive, this shows that Jesus comes down mm-hmm. and gets involved. Yeah. And then actually Saul gets forgiven. And then he becomes a preacher of forgiveness. And the text we just read in Ephesians 4 was written by the man whom Stephen prayed for. Mm -hmm. And God answered his prayer by saving him and making him an ambassador and communicator of forgiveness. Yeah, we wouldn't have the New Testament, half the New Testament if we didn't have Paul saved. If Stephen would have chosen bitterness instead of forgiveness, we may not have 13 or 14 books of the New Testament or the salvation of the Apostle Paul. Mm -hmm. You never know when you forgive someone what God is going to do with the rest of their life. And uh, last story I'll close uh, with, and when a preacher says that, it it doesn't mean they're done. It just Mm -hmm. means they're afraid you're not going to pay attention. So... (laughs) um, I don't know if you remember, uh, when I was doing my study of forgiveness, uh, the book I really resonated with the most on forgiveness uh, was R.T. Kendall's book, Total mm-hmm. Forgiveness. Yeah, it was good. A worthwhile read. Great Bible teacher, legendary guy, pastored Westminster Chapel in London, um, historic church. And I read the book, and I, I thought it was extraordinary, mm-hmm. quite frankly. And then I got um, the great honor um, a mutual friend connected me with R.T. Kendall, said he lives in uh, London part-time and Nashville part-time. I was going to Nashville to teach. And they were like, would you like to meet R.T. Kendall? <laughs> oh, for sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought R.T. would give me an hour and I was going to go to his house and I just wanted to learn and ask questions and, and just honor him as a spiritual father from afar. And we spent 
most of the day together. His wife is adorable. They sit on the couch and hold hands. So those are those are my life goals. And uh, and we were talking about forgiveness, which is his kind of life message. And he built it on the story of Joseph. And the story of Joseph is that his family really hurt him. And most of our hurts really come from our family. Most of the forgiveness you're going to need to do, it's your spouse, it's your kids, it's your mom, it's your dad, it's your brothers, your sisters, it's your family. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is he's betrayed, he's abandoned, thrown in a pit, left for dead. Uh, the brothers who are jealous tell dad he's dead. Dad doesn't even know that his son's alive. Dad played favorites, which was a sin and a problem and set up a dysfunctional family system. Anytime we play favorites, there's going to be a problem. He goes from the pit ultimately to working for Potiphar. Mm -hmm. And then he gets falsely accused of rape. He goes to prison. He goes to prison as a registered sex offender who was still a virgin that didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. All he did was resisted the advances of a horrible woman who lied about him. Had he slept with the woman, he would have had a great job. Mm -hmm. How many guys would have not done what Joseph did? Like, okay, I can have sex with the woman and get a promotion and live a lavish life, or I can deny the woman and go to prison as a registered mm. sex offender. Yeah. I mean... Don't know many guys that would choose that. You need the Holy Spirit to make those kinds of decisions. Absolutely. And it says, and even uh, the Pharaoh says, uh, he's a man in whom the Spirit of God dwells. Mm-hmm. So they see the Spirit of God at work in the life of Joseph. Ultimately, um, he interprets dreams, he gets released. He becomes the Jesus of Egypt. There's the Pharaoh who rules as the son of God over the kingdom. And then Joseph gets to literally sit at his right hand, which is the Jesus seat. Mm -hmm. And then a famine hits and his brothers show up and he is powerful and he has their life in his hands. And he had already forgiven them years prior. How do we know that he'd forgiven them? When they see him, they don't recognize him because he looks and sounds Egyptian but he recognizes them and he has to excuse himself and go into the other room because he literally is just weeping because he loves his family and misses them, even though they betrayed and destroyed mm-hmm. him. Yeah. He then tests them because forgiveness is free, trust is earned. They earn his trust over time. He reveals to them who he is. And then in Genesis 50, uh, 19 and 20 is kind of the grand culmination, one of the great forgiveness stories in the whole Bible. They're scared because they they assume he really hasn't forgiven us. He's going to punish us and hurt us. And he is weeping and pleading with them saying, no, I do love you and I have forgiven you. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he asked the question in five, nine, if chapter 50, verse 19, am I in the place of God? Mm-hmm. And the truth is, he was. Yeah, closest thing to it. In Egypt, they considered him a God. Mm-hmm. They considered the Pharaoh a God and he would be at the right hand of the God and he would rule and reign and he could determine life or death. And what he basically said was, they put me in the Jesus seat, but I don't accept it. Jesus is the judge, not me. Yeah. Uh, and then he says in Genesis fifty twenty, the great line, what you intended for evil, and that's forgiveness. What you did was evil. God used for good and the saving of many lives. And then it says that he blessed them. And I love that it says the saving of many lives because when we're bitter and unforgiving, we think it just is affecting us and that one person. But God wants to use forgiveness to save many lives. And when we don't forgive, we neglect that opportunity of more people getting saved. Starting with our own family. That's, yep. And then he blesses them. So blessing is the test of forgiveness. When Jesus says, bless those Mm-hmm. who do evil to you and persecute you, you and speak mm-hmm. ill against you. You say, well, I've forgiven them. Bless them. I can't bless them. You, 
if you can't bless them, you've not forgiven them. Yeah. Blessing is the test of forgiving. So I had this conversation with R.T. Kendall, and it was tremendous. And he said, uh, the story of Joseph is this, and I never thought of it. The deeper the forgiveness, the greater the anointing. He said, the reason that Joseph could rule and reign as second in command over the nation of Egypt was because the depth of his forgiveness and that he was anointed of the Holy Spirit to the degree and depth that he forgave. And so he, 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 R.T. looked at me and he said, so the only way to be greatly anointed is to be deeply forgiving. Yeah, that's great. And for every Christian who says, I want to live an anointed life. I want the presence and power of the Holy Spirit at work in and through me. The deeper the forgiveness, the greater the anointing. The deeper the forgiveness, the greater the anointing. And so we love you. We appreciate you inviting us into your life. Uh, we want you to receive this gift of forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We want you to cancel demonic strongholds and footholds through forgiveness. We want you to unleash the power of the Holy Spirit to live heaven down and the anointing of God on your marriage and family. And it probably starts with you receiving forgiveness from Jesus and then forgiving others, starting with members of your immediate family, possibly even your spouse. Amen. Thanks for tuning in.